Hey, like I said, we're, uh, today we're going to share lunch afterwards. And feel, please don't feel pressure like, oh, I didn't bring anything, so I'm not staying. I'm just going to say, if that's your excuse, that's lame. Okay? I was just informed that we have plenty of food. Um, we have a big, huge pan of baked spaghetti, I heard. Okay, perfect. That's all we need. And, uh, and the church ordered a bunch of fried chicken, so we're going to have fried chicken and spaghetti. We know that. Caesar salad. I saw cookies. I don't know what Gretchen brought. Gretchen did not make her green stuff. Next time. That's right. Okay, perfect. So we have Jello. As long as there's no cat food in the Jello, we're all good. Okay. And maybe a few will get that reference. I won't say it out loud. You got it? Okay. Thank you very much. Talk to me later. Okay. We'll, we'll reminisce about that. Okay. Hey, why are we doing a potluck after church? The reason why is because we're made for connection. And so we want to connect. We want to begin to be more intentional. Now that uh, the big C is behind us, uh, we can be a little bit more intentional. Um, More people are, even Canada is opening up, so that means that everything's okay. Um, And so uh, we're going to step out and just start doing more potlucks, more things together so we can connect together. And so we just realize that we're not alone in what we go through. There's a lot of stuff that people are going through. And when you're isolated and alone, it's, it's a t- tough place to be. But when you can gather and just share a meal together or have a cup of coffee or play a game or whatever with each other, there's that hour or so that like, hey, everything's okay. I'm all right. I think I'm all right. Maybe I'm all right. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> but maybe I am. And so we're made for connection. And we're praying right now as a church, as a as, as pastoral staff, we're praying for connect groups, and that's just opportunity for us to get together outside of Sunday morning um, and be centered around the Word of God and be centered around one another and fellowship. And so we're looking for places to meet, like host homes. We're looking for a few people that would be willing to facilitate, not preach, because if I use the word preach, we'll get nobody to do it. I won't even do it. Um, and so facilitate just means that you're willing to go and help wrangle the conversation a little bit, okay? And that's it. It's like herding cats. It's a glorious thing, all right? It's, but it's, again, it's time for us as the church to get together and then just talk about the things that God is doing in our lives. There's a power in that. Um, Sunday mornings is just not enough. So we, we're praying about that. Do we have a timeline? I have a timeline. It was two years ago wasn't God's timeline. So we're just trusting God. We're asking and praying. And so pray with us. I would say fast with us, but we're going to eat afterwards. So fast after that. Okay. Yes, we will. Okay. Unless you got one of the Kirsten's announcements and then, um, then you're not fasting. Mints is fast. Is, mints is not fasting, is it? If you suck on a mint, is that considered fasting? Who says yes? I want to fast with you, Pastor Pam. Okay. 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 We have mints. All right. How about ice cream? If you, oh, mint ice cream. Okay. No. If it has chocolate chips, no. If it has just, anyways, we're going way off. We're going way off here. You can tell I'm hungry this morning. 
Um, so thank you for bringing yummy food for us to share together because we really do want to connect. It is really about connection. So this morning we're, uh, we're closing the book on 1 Peter, and uh, we're going to be looking uh, at the last three verses. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. So if you need a Bible, um, we have Bibles in the back. Raise your hand, and uh, we'll get you a Bible. Um, my mom doesn't have her Bible. She's missing her Bible. She left it at church, and somebody thought, well, this is a nice gift. And they took home her pink Bible. So if you have found a pink Bible, yeah, raise your hand if you need a Bible. We're going to get Bibles. We have people leaving right now to go get fried chicken. So thank you for doing that. It's interesting. Peter says a, a couple words and puts these two couple words together that we would call today, like we'd call that a paradoxical statement. We'd call that an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? is when you take two apparent words, you know, two words that apparently are opposite and you put them together um, to make a statement. And so I have some oxymorons for you this morning that I want to read, okay? See, I like this stuff, so thank you for just being. I mean, Mitch just said, said one to Ashley, and I didn't hear what it was, but. Oh, that's actually on my list, okay? So oxymorons, words appearing side by side that appear contradictory. Here we go. In alphabetical order, by the way. <laughs> Awfully good. So I hope our potluck food today is awfully good. Okay? It's, so really good it would be a better way to say that, but I always put my foot in my mouth, so I would probably be accused of saying awfully good. Bittersweet. That's, oh, we're on a food theme here. Um, bittersweet. Clearly misunderstood. <laughs> Deafening silence. Deceptively honest. And this is one of the word for today. If you ask somebody to do something with you, definite maybe. You get those? You get the definite maybes. Yeah, yeah, definitely maybe. Yeah. How about devout atheists? Exact estimate. <laughs> if you're a contractor, you like that one. Freezer burn. Icy hot. Genuine imitation. <laughs> Do you remember that? You ever see those? Just go through the, especially the middle of the grocery store when you're eating all the box foods. It's all the box stuff. If you want to eat healthy, they say, eat on the outside of the grocery store. You know, so it's produce, it's meat, it's dairy, and it's bread. And if you're a Safeway, it's wine. <laughs> so let's stay away from that. But, um, but then, you get, then you get out the store. All the stuff in the middle is genuine imitation. Jumbo shrimp, one of my favorites. Minor miracle. Have you ever heard that one? That's a minor miracle. First of all, if it's a miracle, there's nothing minor about it. I'll take, if miracle is in the sentence, I'll take it. Only choice. Plastic silverware. <laughs> and I'm glad Annie and Marcy are not in the room because they know how, what I think about forks, plastic forks. We had this discussion one time about which plastic forks the church is going to buy. And we had these really flimsy ones that you couldn't even pick up a noodle with. 
And so I, I, they tell me I yelled and I got really excited. Like, we're not using those forks. And I threw them in the garbage. And, um, and so they, get, they bought me a shirt in my office. If you walk into my office, if you look to the right, there's a black shirt hanging there and it has a huge fork on it. <laughs> because apparently I have issue with plastic silverware. Same difference. And terribly good. So, I'm, again, I'm hoping the, the spaghetti that you made is terribly good. Okay. And awfully good as well. It's going to be so, so good. So, the first few verses in Peter, he's encouraging us to remind us who our God is. And then these last few verses, again, he's encouraging us and reminding us who our God is and what he's done for us. And, but he actually just throws in a couple thank yous and mentions a couple people. Uh, in the end, but he uses the, these couple words, which is, again, paradoxical, and he says, stand fast. Standing I get. Fast I used to be. Believe it or not, I used to be. That was seven knee surgeries ago. Um, but stand fast. It almost seems opposite. It almost seems like it's I don't quite get it, but the word there really means to stand firm. To stand firm. To stand fixed. And this one kind of goes with our cozy last week. To stand settled in. Settled in. Be settled in. Any golfers? I know there's a couple golfers in the house. Mitch, Josh, Mr. Harrow, Alex hacks a little bit as well. I'm a hacker. Okay. Any other golfers? Is that it? Just five of us in the room? <laughs> okay. So if I asked um, one of you, what's the, one of, give me one of the hardest shots in golf. What would it be? What's, huh? In a bunker. What did you say, Dick? Yeah, in a bunker. So what a bunker is, is a sand trap. So a sand trap is, um, they're set... You know, you're like, oh, how do they do that? Well, they kind of figure out where you're going to hit the ball, and that's where they put it. <laughs> they, they are very strategic. If you're like, why do they put that sand trap there? It's because most people hit the ball at a certain distance, and most people hit it out wrong. So they just put the sand trap right there. So the, the weird thing about a sand trap is when you're in, in it, you need to stand fast. You need to stand firm. And you need to settle in and make sure you have a firm, firm footing. So if you've never golfed before, this makes no sense to you, and I'm talking to five of you right now, but there is, and Judy's like, yep, you're making no sense right now. Okay. It's like military intelligence. It's an oxymoron. Um, okay. So what you do when you're in a bunker and you want to stand firm and stand fast, you actually open up. So if the hole is here, I'm going to open up like this, which makes no sense in golf. And then you dig your feet into the sand to make sure you're solid and that you're not going to slip and fall, which makes great videos, by the way. And then when you swing, you don't even have to swing and hit the ball. You're supposed to swing and hit the sand behind the ball and let that sand push out. It's really spiritual to me is because when we're in tough places in our life, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to open up. We're supposed to open up. And we're supposed to dig our feet down. And then just in faith, we're supposed to swing. You don't even have to hit the ball. You just need to swing. 
And Peter is saying, I want you to stand fast. And what is he asking us to stand fast in? It's the best thing you can ever stand fast in. He says, stand fast in God's grace. Stand fast in grace. And when you guys think of the word grace, what do you think of? Grace is blank. Undeserved, okay. Grace is second chances, third chances, 20th chances, 70 times seven chances, right? Come on, this is, we're getting ready to have potluck here today. So grace is new every morning. Grace is a free gift. Anybody else? Grace is undeserved. Unmerited? Yeah, so the acronym, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. Because of what Jesus has done for us, he extends to us grace. Can't earn it, can't buy it, can't work for it. It's a gift. Peter says to stand fast in this grace. The definition of grace is the unmerited favor of God towards mankind. The unmerited favor of God towards mankind. And I did write down God's riches at Christ's expense too, Alex. I probably learned that from you. Peter tells us that the best place for us to be, the greatest place for us to be, is in God's grace. So the last three verses, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 12, 13, and 14. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all. Or peace to all of you who are in Christ. Now you can read that and like, what can, what can I get out of that? Well, we're going to try to get something out of that this morning. First of all, I want to acknowledge that Peter thanks Silas. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother... Who is Silas? So Silas is the guy that traveled with the Apostle Paul on missionary journeys. So what do we know about Silas? Silas was faithful, because Peter says it right here. That he was a helper, Peter says it right here. He was a worshiper. How do we know that Silas was a worshiper of God, that he loved to? When we say worship, we normally think about singing, right? So Silas was a worshiper. He sang songs to God. How do we know that? Because in Acts, when they were on their missionary journey, they actually healed a young lady who was demon-possessed. It says Paul was annoyed because this, lady, this young girl followed them wherever they went. With, she was actually owned. She was a piece of property. She, had, she was a slave, so she had owners. They would follow that Paul and people would pay them to have this young girl prophesy over them. She was prophesying, hey, listen to these guys. These guys are from the living God. So what she was saying was true, but what was happening was almost in a mocking tone. And Paul just got tired of it and then turned and said, in the name of Jesus, get out of her. 
and she was healed, you think people would be celebrating and get excited. You know what happened? Her owners actually turned Paul and Silas in, and because they cost them the owner's wages, they beat Paul and Silas and put them in jail. Seems like injustice to me, but that's exactly what happened. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, at midnight, after being jailed, after being beaten, after being chained up, what do Paul and Silas do? I know what Kevin would do. I would have the... Oh, I probably wouldn't. I, I so appreciate you having faith in me, Jody, that you think I would sing. I would be having the biggest pity party ever. God, I was doing this for you. This girl was healed. I felt you, you worked through me, and this young lady was healed, and we're sharing the good news, and yet I'm stuck here in prison. I have, I'm bleeding. I'm hurting because I've been beaten because I thought I did what I thought I did was right for you. That's what I would do. Paul and Silas were singing praises to God at midnight. And when they were doing that, the earth shook and all the cells came open. The shackles dropped off everyone's feet. And the jailer came running out and saw what had happened. And because he was responsible for keeping everybody captured in place, if they escape, what happens to him? He is executed by the authorities, and so he was going to execute himself. It says he pulled his sword to kill himself, and Paul yells out, Hey, we're all here. Now we think like, oh, there's light. We have extra light in here. Midnight over there, no light, no electricity at that point. Darkness. We're all here. We're fine. We haven't gone anywhere. And the jailer comes in like, tell me about this God. This jailer's whole house gets saved. Everyone in his household gets saved. Next day they get out, they're released, and Paul and Silas continue to share the good news of Jesus. Read Acts 16 this week. That's awesome. This is Silas, who Peter takes a moment to thank. How, how he helped Peter do this, we're not sure. Did he... Uh, did he as Peter like dictated, did Silas write down with the words? We don't know. He just says, with help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly. And why did Peter write to us? To encourage us who read this letter. And Peter testifies that what he is writing is true. What I'm writing, Peter says, it's the grace of God to you. The grace of God to us, so stand fast, stand firm, settle into God's grace, because it is true. And I love what, that Peter takes a moment and actually thanks somebody who has come alongside him to help. And what can we learn from that? We can learn to be more thankful to the people that God has brought into our lives to help. Maybe sometimes we think, man, God, you brought that person in to annoy me, <laughs> No. So think about it. Just take a moment right now. Just think about Just think about right now. Who has God brought into your life to help you, to walk with you? And when's the last time you thank them? So let's start today. That's what we can learn. Thankfulness. 
for the people that God brings in my life. So I'll publicly just say thank you to a few people today. All right. <laughs> well, if I do that, then I want to leave some of you out, then I'm going to feel bad. Okay, so I'm not thanking Tony this morning. Okay. But Heather, thank you for walking beside me. Mom and Hank, my parents, and Gretchen, thank you for walking beside me. My son, Josh. Yeah, thank you for walking beside me. And Kirsten, thank you for walking beside him. I mean, I could go around this whole room. I know all of you pretty much, almost all of you by name, and I could give you a personal thanks. I thank my blood this morning, and that way I can stay safe. If I didn't mention you by name, but I could, I really could. Yeah, we need to be that type of person as we walk with Jesus, like Peter. We need to just be thankful for the people that God has brought us. Sometimes we might think, man, they're so hard to deal with. Nobody that I mentioned this morning. I've never thought that about any of you all. Okay, Whew. that was close. Um, but don't we sometimes think that? And so to, to be thankful, like, God, I'm just thankful that you brought somebody to walk with me on this journey. Again, Peter testifies of God's grace towards us. And what he has written is true because our God is faithful. And so stand fast, stand firm, stand fixed in God's faithfulness and in his grace. I just want to read a couple of reminders to you this morning. I did not put them up here, but if you want to know where these reminders are, it's in the very first 10 verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter tells us to stand fast in grace and to know that we have been chosen. He says he's written this book to encourage us. So again, I go back and look and like, okay, so what are some, a few of the encouraging things that Peter has said to us? That we have been chosen, that we have been given new life, that we have hope because of what Jesus has done for us, that we have an eternal future that cannot be taken away from us, that there is purpose in our suffering. That genuine faith is being produced in us as it is produced in gold. That we have been given inexpressible and glorious joy. We can stand fast in knowing that this is just the ten first verses of First Peter. And we could read the whole book and be encouraged by it. So that would be my encouragement. Before we jump into Second Peter next week, I encourage you this week. I've already said it a couple times. Read Acts chapter 16 if you want to read about Paul and Silas being stuck in prison. Um, but also just go back through 1 Peter and be encouraged. That's why Peter wrote the book, for us to be encouraged by the word of God and the message that God has for us. In verse 13, he says, She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greetings. So when you're reading this, you're like, who is she? And why does she live in Babylon? So what Peter is doing here, it's, it's really to, uh, it's written, remember, he's writing to scattered Christians throughout Asia Minor. Some Jewish, some not. But those who are Jewish would know the reference to Babylon. Babylon was, King Nebuchadnezzar was massive. They took over at one point, they took over Israel. God's judgment upon his people because they were not faithful, 
was, I'm going to allow the enemy to come in and take over your land. And they will take some of your best, the best of the best, back to the land, and they're going to train them to come back and rule over you in our ways. That's the book of Daniel. So he's referring back to the book of Daniel. You remember when Babylon took us over, and we were in captivity, we were in exile, we were far away from where we thought we were supposed to be. So Peter is referring to the church here. She, the church, the church that is in Babylon, which is now who, was capt- who, who had taken over uh, Israel at that point, is the Romans. So the church in Rome, when you think of the church in Rome right now, we think of the Catholic church, right? That's not what he's talking about here. The church, the believers of Jesus in Rome right now says hi to you. They understand what you're going through, the struggles that you're going through. So Peter brings this up. She says, she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greeting. Hey, just know that you're not alone, that we are thinking of you, that we are with you. When you're in an exiled place, when you're far off, when you're in an isolated place, isn't it good to know and hear from somebody on the outside, um, whether you get a note in the mail or whether you, it's an email or whether it's a text or whatever it might be, or a phone call, and they just want to hear how you're doing and what you're going through and they're there to support you, that feels good and feels right. That's what's happening here. Hey, we... The church, those of us here in Rome, we understand what you're going through and we send our greetings to you. And so does Mark, he says, my son Mark. Does Peter have a son? We don't know. Does Peter have a spiritual son? Yes. Mark, yes. Mark is the same Mark that wrote the book of Mark. And how did Mark get most of his eyewitness accounts to write the book? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, yes. But also, eyewitness accounts, Peter. Mark was a disciple of Peter. Mark listened and, and t- learned under Peter. And so he just kind of does, does that awkward thing that sometimes we do. If you're hanging out with people and like, oh, um, Jim says hi. Well, Jim's not there. Jim's, I don't know where Jim is, and so... Don't you always feel obligated, like, oh, now i got to say hi to Jim? That's what kind of happens here. Paul is like, not Paul, Peter is saying, hey, Mark, who is here, says hi as well. And Mark is, again, he's the one who wrote the book of Mark. But Mark is also, he's kind of had his checkered past a little bit. Mark is the one that, remember that we had, at first in Acts, or going back in early Acts, Paul and Barnabas go off on a missionary journey. And they're sharing the good news all around. And they have helpers that come alongside them. And one of their helpers is Mark. Mark gets homesick. Anybody ever get homesick? I remember being homesick a couple times. Uh, My parents just shipped me off one year to play drums in this competition down in Salem, Oregon. I was like 12 years old. I'd never been away from home in that way. And I remember being like sick to my stomach. Did I ever tell you that? Probably not. 
um, and just like sick, sick, um, because I was thinking of home, and I was uncomfortable where I was at. And so I just wanted to go to that cozy place, that safe place. I wanted to go home. And so that was Mark. Mark was on missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas and was just like, I just want to go home. And Barnabas had compassion, like, yes, just go home. And Paul, no compassion at all. And so later on, Paul and Barnabas are going to go back out on a missionary journey. And we're going to go back out and share, share Jesus with people, and we need helpers, so come. Barnabas brings who? Mark. And Paul says, I'm not bringing him. I'm not going with him. See, it's interesting. When we look at the characters of the Bible, we always think of perfection. We think of halos, right? They are not perfect, just like we are not perfect. They follow Jesus just like we follow Jesus. They made mistakes just like we make mistakes. And so Paul says, I'm not going on this journey with him. And so Paul chooses Silas, and they split off. And Barnabas takes Mark, and they split off. So what now happened, in the humanness of who they were, instead of having one missionary group, now we have two. In our own stupidity sometimes, God just says, you know what, I'm going to make this work. Yeah, in spite of you, I'm going to make this work. Now, later on, Paul and Mark do reconcile. You'll, you, you, if you read through the New Testament, they reconcile and everything's fine. But in that moment of weakness for both Mark and Paul, God still redeems that. And Mark didn't give up. So the, the book of Peter is written like year 60 or so. Mark didn't give up. Mark still, even though it was... Even though that was a tough time for him, he still was faithful in his faith. Whatever you're going through, don't give up. If you've made or are making mistakes, I'm not going to tell you to keep doing that. But press into Jesus. If you are stumbling over the same thing over and over, then press into Jesus. And ask somebody that you love and trust to walk with you and help you walk through that. Barnabas helped Mark walk through that. And then verse 14, the COVID-friendly verse. Greet one another with a kiss of love. <laughs> Don't do that here. <laughs> that is a very cultural thing. You see it in Europe all the time still. Um, you kiss each other on the cheek, sometimes both cheeks. Saw that in Europe. Sometimes even, um, I've been in churches um, where even the, they, they do the holy kiss thing, even on the lips. Um, and, and many of us in this room are thinking, that's weird, right? Um, that's really uncomfortable. Because what happens is, usually when we think of the word kiss, I'm just going to be real here, we pervert it and make it romantic. That's not what Peter's saying here. Because early on in Peter, he says, God is developing in you this genuine love 
for one another, this family type of love, this incredible uh, relationship that you can have with one another. So when you come together, greet one another. Different translations of the Bible, actually many translations of the Bible say this, a kiss of love. King James says a kiss of charity. The contemporary English version of the Bible says, greet one another with a warm greeting, a cozy greeting. And the Message Bible, give holy hugs all around. <laughs> so when we come together, there should be, there should be, I, I'm not going to say kisses, because <laughs> that's still just really weird. But there should be like, man, I'm really glad to see you. And I, our church is kind of a, we were a huggy church when Alex and Pam were leading us. We, you know, we would do the, I know, the holy side hug and all that, whatever. You know, we'd do the hugs, right? But when COVID showed up, we were all like six feet. And some of you like really like that, actually. Six feet. Even if we are six feet away, can I just say that there still should be a warmth in our greeting towards one another. That's what Peter is saying. Hey, don't take it for granted that you have the opportunity to gather and be together. It is special when you come together because it's not, it's not just a few strangers getting together, but you, it is family coming together. And there should be embraces. There should be warm greetings. There should be hugs all around. And then Peter's final words which I think we need to hear today, is peace to all of you who are in Christ. And I just thought about that a lot this week. Because peace is far from many people's hearts today. Because many people are looking in the wrong places for that peace. But only Jesus can bring the peace that surpasses all understanding. So I looked up a few verses for us to read through this morning. In Numbers chapter 6, the Lord bless you and keep you. You've heard this. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Colossians chapter 3 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Philippians chapter 4, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving present your request, request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then a couple chapters later, Jesus says, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I just want to go back to this one right here. Jesus is telling his disciples that have really given up everything to follow him for three years. Jesus is telling them that it's my time to go. I'm leaving. 
My life will be taken from me. But because I am going, you are going to be given the Holy Spirit. It's just one of me, Jesus said. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you will all be filled. It'll be me in you, all of you, and not just me standing in your presence. You can be far away and still have me, Jesus said. And they were struggling with the fact that Jesus was going. And that's when he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. The peace that allowed Jesus to, as a human being, right, in his human side, that peace that allowed him to go to the cross, that's an incredible peace. That's the peace that Jesus gives us. I do not give to you as the world gives. It's not a shallow. It's not something that's hollow. It's not something that's going to be temporary. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And that's the peace that Peter wraps up his book with. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. And that's how I want to wrap our service this morning. Can you stand with me? I just want to say peace to all of you who are in Christ. And I know some of your situations and circumstances, and um, I know you need his peace. I know some of us have gone out and tried to grab the peace that, that the world has to offer, but it's not a peace that Jesus said that he gives. It's not a temporary peace, but it is a peace that we can settle in. It's a peace that we can stand firm in. It's a peace that we can stand fast in. So, Lord, this morning as we have come, as we have gathered, Lord, I thank you for the embraces that have happened in this room already today. Because there's something special about being part of the family of God. It is hugs all around. Because we celebrate life together. God, help us to celebrate life today. And Lord, in those places where we need peace this morning, Lord, I pray, just like we prayed for healing earlier, we pray for that supernatural, abundant peace that comes only from you, that it would flow from heaven, that it would settle into those places in our life that need it the most, and that we'd be able to rest and be comforted in you. You are so incredible to us, God. So incredible. We do love you. We do exalt you, Jesus. We pray that we would do that with our words, with our thoughts, but also, Lord, with our actions and how we live. Lord, we take a moment this morning to pray for our community. Lord, will you show us what you want us to do in our community to meet their needs, to come alongside and be Jesus, be you to them. Lord, our expectation is not for them just to, to stand in line and come into this room, but our expectation would be for you to send us 
just like you said to Isaiah, who will go? And Isaiah said, Lord, here am I, send me. So I will go. We will go. We do ask that you'd bring people into this room, into this place. But Lord, we also ask that you would send us. Just wherever we go, that we would be your voice. That would be your hands, would be your feet. That we would love like you love. We would serve people like you served. God, thank you for providing all our needs according to your riches and glory. Spiritually, yes. But also physically, that you provide our needs. Thank you for this lunch that we're going to have together. All the hands that prepared it, the thoughts that went behind it, the grocery store runs that went behind it. God, we're just thankful that you provide for us and you give us, again, everything that we need. We pray for our time together, Lord, that it would be full of encouragement. That we would be excited about being together, being connected, not only with you, but being connected with one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. 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 Well, you see, there's arrows on the floor. Maybe give us a couple of minutes. I don't know if it's all quite ready. It might be ready. I think it might be ready. Um, but you'll grab plates, go in the side door here, and then we have tables set up outside. It's gorgeous. So we'll eat outside today. And uh, let's enjoy being together and being connected.